This is Coach Chris Holtman. You're listening to Drive the Lane Podcast. NBA Draft Week here on Drive the Lane and also a top 10 matchup for Ohio State football as the Buckeyes take on the Hoosiers. Jam-packed show here at Drive the Lane. Jeremy Wu, NBA Draft Insider from Sports Illustrated, joins us. Bill Landis back on the show. He's the one that told us IU was going to be a good team this year. So we had to bring him on to, you know, gloat a little bit and also give his predictions for the game. But before we get to all that, we're going to give you our thoughts and predictions for the game against Indiana this weekend. Whoa, whoa. Actually, before we even get into that, we're forgetting Ohio State scheduled their opening basketball game. I know. And we were wrong. Yeah, <laughs> a little wrong. I guess we're going to be playing Illinois State. Um, I don't know much about the team this year. I just know in the past that they're typically pretty good. And uh, that's where Kata's from, basically. So it's a Kata revenge game, even though he's not playing. So, I mean, so we, hyped up, we hyped up what we thought the first game could be so high, and it's just not even close to what yeah, we are well, it's, it's, it's a bummer just because the, so many teams have – had their schedule set in stone and it didn't change. So it's like, all right, we'll just get Illinois state, which is great. I mean, they're always a good team. So um, I'm excited. It's just another step closer to basketball season. Andrew, my question for you is, will the college basketball season be delayed? I mean, we're getting news that the whole tournament's going to move to Indy. I, I personally am shocked that we're less than 10 days away from, uh, that first game on November 25th and the season hasn't been switched to all conference play. I really firmly believed that that was going to happen. I guess the possibility is not ruled out, but I don't know. But until we see that first game, I'm going to say, I think it's going to get delayed. What do we, what do you think? Uh, I don't think it's going to be delayed. I'm just, (laughs) I just, I'm thank God. Oh, thank God. It's in a bubble or else it wasn't going to work. It just wasn't going to work. So not not all of, you mean March Madness? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't going to work. How in like, just picture it's a bracket and one portion of the bracket when teams play each other, they're going to infect each other. And then it just like would like poof half the tournament's gone because of COVID. Like it's just like the TBT, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I mean, we'll it, see. It's it's going to be a crazy season. <clears throat> um, or, you know, we ask this question every year, who's going to lose first, Ohio State football or Ohio State basketball? Um, I think if Ohio State football is going to lose this year in Big Ten play, it's going to be this weekend, and I don't think they're going to lose. But if there's any chance, I think it's this weekend. The line is 21. I was talking they're with covering. some friends. I, I was talking with friends. I was talking with you. I think that line is is larger than I thought it was going to be. What do you think? You know what's crazy, and this is what I saw on Twitter. The Ohio State-Indiana game is a larger line than a Michigan-Rutgers game. That's pretty crazy. You know what their line is? What? Ten. Well, I think it's just crazy that the line is like eight points higher than the Penn State game, and they didn't cover against Penn State – and Indiana beat yeah, Penn did. State. Well, then they covered by like I half think, a point. 
Well, they it was ten. I took it ten and a half. That's why I know they covered. Okay. Well, I think it opened at like thirteen and a half. Um. Well, no. I. It was also at Penn State. Um. But I think. Uh, I don't know who. It's crazy. Indiana has beaten Penn State. They've beaten Michigan. But like, those are both bad teams. You know. So it's like. Not that Ohio State is playing anyone good, but Ohio State is Ohio State. Indiana is Indiana. So, it's to me, I think it's, number one, Ohio State is obviously better. And number two, Indiana has proven stuff, but hasn't proven stuff at the same time. So, it'll be interesting. I have been such a huge Indiana fan this year because they're playing teams like Penn State and Michigan, and I love seeing Indiana be a football school when they can't be a basketball school. They've been struggling to be a basketball school. So, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I have a lot of – we both have a lot of friends that love Indiana and are now realizing the team as a football team as well. So that's fun to watch. Um, but they're in for a rude awakening when they are like, oh, we're ready to compete in the Big Ten. No, watch out for the freight train that is the Ohio State Buckeyes. They're covering without a doubt. I think – I a think lot the, of the a lot only of way – well, I think – I was just going to say that. I think the only way Indiana has any chance is, you know – to score with Ohio State. I don't think it's going to be a situation where Indiana's defense is, is shutting down, you know, Olave and Wilson or, or Fields isn't having his two incompletion to five touchdown ratio, you know. So, but I do think that, you know, Ohio State secondary has not looked incredible like everyone thought it, it should and always usually does. And Indiana's got some good wide receivers and Penix looks good. So I think it's definitely going to be a high scoring you know, not, not shoot out. I, I, I want to ask you this. I want to ask yeah. you this. Yeah, go ahead. You feel free. If Indiana wins every game this year, besides this game, is it better for Ohio state? If this game's close or a blowout? It doesn't matter. You think it doesn't matter? No. Wins a win in conference play, especially wins a win. Like losses is one thing. A close loss looks better than a close win. But I think in this weird year, and I think in general, especially like in like in basketball, like if you go on the road and beat Northwestern by seven, no one looks at that like, oh, they, you guys stink. It's like, no, it's hard to win in the Big Ten. So I, I think it, the same goes for football. A win's a win. What In the grand scheme of things, obviously a – Bigger win looks more impressive for Ohio State, but I get what you're saying. For the sake of the Big Ten strength, do you want a close game? I don't – if you're Ohio State, doesn't matter. If you're, if you're Indiana, of course you want it to be a close game. If, you're, if there are other teams competing for, um, for a big, a, the Big Ten championship, the postseason, whatever, then, yeah, you want the Big Ten to look as strong as possible. Like, if this was like an NCAA tournament type of deal – then you'd want it to look close to look, make the Big Ten look stronger. But as Ohio State fans, which we are irrelevant, just need to win. Yeah, I'm only thinking about it, and the only reason I bring this up is because we've talked about it before. Like, the fact that Jimmy Butler played the way he did in the finals and the fact that, you know, they had those good games, it almost made, you know, the Lakers winning the finals better than if they would have just swept and blown them out. So that's my, only, no mind, that's my only mindset when I'm thinking about that. Yeah, I mean – Okay, then you could look at it as a fan. Like, would you rather want it to be a close game than a blowout? Maybe, but not as an Ohio State fan, I don't think. Right, 
Right. So as right. a fan I mean of for validation. Football, no, I mean for like validation. Like I think the Lakers, and this is going way, way out of what we're talking about. Like the Lakers, it almost made the Lakers championship look more I, deserving because I see there what you're were saying. yeah. But take a step back. Who cares if you those guys in the locker room, they don't care if it's a blood or a close game to make them feel better. Right. No chance. You know? Right. So I think Ohio State's defense needs the confidence of a blowout too, because the defense yeah, has not been good. And like, yeah, and then and then just another way to take it is like, as a fan that wants to see Ohio State win the national championship, it would be nice to see them win a close game so that they have experience. You know? Mm. But at the same time, it's like, no, blow them out. We don't need them. so it's it's interesting. That's an interesting question you posed there, without a doubt. But we'll, we'll get ask, into we'll it. A, yeah, we'll ask that with we'll Bill. We'll, we'll talk to Bill about that. Um, so before we get to, you know, our, our double interviews with NBA draft insider, Jeremy Wu and Bill Landis covers Ohio State for the athletic, you know, Joey, your, your teammate, your friend, Caleb Wesson, he's in this draft, you know, he could go anywhere from, let's say as early as 45 to undrafted, you know, the, the table's wide open, who knows what's going to happen. Have you heard from Caleb? What are your thoughts on it? Is there a team that you would want him to go to? Not – is there a team you don't want him to go to? Let's hear your Caleb Wesson thoughts. Um, last time I spoke to Caleb, it was after it was announced that he was, like, the best shooter in the combine statistically from the, uh, from the combine. And I texted him and his agent in the same group chat, um, who I'm, fr- I'm friends with, his agent. And uh, <laughs> I said – no, so I messaged his agent and responded to his story of Caleb doing well and said, Caleb knows that I'd wipe the floor with him still in a shooting contest. I haven't touched the ball in six months. And he put us all in a group chat and said, Caleb, is this true? And he goes, smoke doesn't want the smoke. And I said, Caleb, let me have this one, please. I need this one. You were about to be doing this for a job. I haven't touched the ball. He's like, you got it. So there it is. This just in, Caleb Wesson knows that I could beat him in a shooting contest. But that's the last time I talked to him about it. We haven't talked about – I'm not going to sit here and lie. Like, I've got – I know what he's thinking going into this and stuff. All I know is that he's worked his butt off. He's dedicated to to becoming the best basketball player he could be physically, as in his body, and also skill-wise. Um, I know that there are noticeable differences in his shooting form, which is awesome. He's shooting it quicker and from farther. Um, He's lost a ton of weight. If we say that every single year, but this is—it's true as as true as it's always been. Um, so I'm excited for him. In terms of what teams, I think off the top of my head, like how cool would it be for him to be on the Warriors? You know, like could does he fit there perfectly? No, but he's a great passer and he's a great shooter. So like he does fit. But at the same time, they like their long and athletic five man, and then a guy who is not going to play at the end of the game. So. That's one place. Important, that important to note, as you're saying that, Golden State does have the 51st pick. Right. So that right. actually yeah. does make sense. Right. I'm take all these teams, and correct me if I'm wrong, are in that 40 to 60 range that I'm looking at. Um, another team that I think would be really fun would be a team like the Suns. Uh, you know, like a change of pace guy for DeAndre Ayton. Um, I don't even know what their depth even looks like, honestly. I don't know if they have a spot for him or not. But it, Caleb and, uh, and DeAndre Aiden could in, – in, they could play together. Like, I don't think they would, but it would be a nice change of pace um, 
to have a guy like Caleb versus DeAndre Ayton. Um, I don't know if stylistically that's what they want, but that would be fun because they just traded for Chris Paul and they're top of mind right now. Um, do they have a pick there? They don't have a pick, but I have something interesting that okay. I want to point They'll out. They'll trade for him, though. They'll <clears throat> trade back. So I think it's interesting for a guy like Caleb because a guy like Caleb's maybe getting drafted and, and potentially needs to play well in the, uh, in the summer league, needs to play well maybe a little bit in the G League to get that contract, all that kind of stuff. I think potentially in a year where there's not going to be summer league, who knows what's going to happen with G League, all that stuff, there might be a team like, you know, Brooklyn's picking 55, the Clippers are picking 57, the, the Sixers and Rap, like there might be teams at the end of the draft that are like, Give me a guy that we know is just going to come in and work every day. He'll be a good matchup in practice. We're going to give him a contract. It's not going to be much, but we don't have to deal with, like, seeing him in summer league, two-way players. Cassius Winston falls in that same category. You know, guys that are going to go later that, like, you know, aren't projects. Like, you know what you're getting. And in a year where there's not going to be a whole lot of growth, well, there's actually probably going to be zero growth between now and when the season starts. Yeah, I think – um, you nailed it on the head. I think the Nets was the last team that um, just because they're in the news right now for a lot of cool things, like they're, they're going to need guys who are not going to be paid a lot of money, you know? So like, obviously to see him slide in there with KD, Kyrie, and maybe James Harden is that that's the rumors would be really, really, really cool. And he played in the same conference as Karis LeVert. So I'm sure they're tight. So that'd be fun. The only team I do not want him to play for is the Knicks. It's the only team. Because they're the Knicks. That's yeah. it. I don't know. What what are your thoughts? So I'm I'm a little I'm a little conflicted. Not about the Knicks specifically, but you know, like a team that might not have uh playoff hopes. Stability. Stability or playoff hopes, like that's a team where he potentially could could start a few games. Like obviously it's a weird example because the Warriors last year like, you wouldn't think about that with the Warriors. But, like, the Warriors had, like, a bunch of random rookies that were starting games all year. You know, like, Omari Spellman was was starting, like – I think he started, like, 50 games for the Warriors Eric last year. They were the Villanova championship front court. I right, mean, right. Yeah. So, you know – wait. Were they – are they both on the Warriors? Or did I mean to say Pascal when I said Spellman? No, no, no. They were both, okay. they were both on the Warriors. <clears throat> so, like, I don't know. You get a team like, – like, Charlotte's picking 56th. If I don't Charlotte, want to Charlotte either. They're kind of a dumpster fire. But what I'm saying, if, if Charlotte just immediately is like, all right, another lost season, you could see a guy like Caleb playing a lot more than he should slash would. So I think if he get, I think if he gets drafted, no complaints where he gets drafted to. If he goes undrafted, then you pick and choose a little bit. Yeah. But if he gets drafted, we're not complaining about which team takes him. Of course. And it's and if we go under the impression that he is going to get drafted, the you bring up a great debate topic, which we won't get into, but it's would you rather have your favorite player out of the draft, whether it's a family member, a teammate, just some guy you rooted for, would you rather have him go somewhere and get a chance to play a ton right away on a terrible losing team that's playing for nothing night in and night out? or play sparingly for a playoff team slash championship contender, in my opinion, I'd rather have him on the contender because everyone likes to win and he's still going to get great reps in practice going against some of the best guys in the world. And I've always loved, and this is a Dan Dockage thing, 
he always says every team's got a best player. You know, I don't there. I, it's not, it's not the player's fault, but I don't, I don't have any sympathy for the best players on really bad teams. Like that's just sad kind of, you know, like it's like Devin Booker of old is like, man, if Devin Booker could get in a great situation, like how cool would that be for him? It's like, I don't want Caleb to in any way fall into that category. Obviously I'm not thinking he's going to come into the NBA on some bad team and start and, and score 20 a game. But like, I'd rather him be, you know, the 10th man on the Warriors. Like I want it. Like I just, he is a winner. So put him on a winner's team. You know, that's my opinion. Because of the weird salary cap and because of Corona and all the weird stuff, <clears throat> the NBA could potentially look like, you know, the NFL a little bit where if you can get guys on cheap rookie or veteran deals and surround stars with those cheap yeah. deals, then, you know, that could be the recipe for a, a championship this year. So I think it's cool because there's really no, besides the bulls, I can't see any team that, you know, wouldn't like, I feel like he doesn't fit with the bulls at all. It just doesn't really make sense. We don't know, they got a lot. Of, they got a lot of bigs. Yeah. They yeah. got a lot of bigs. I mean, we got the best big in the entire NBA sitting on our bench in street clothes every night. It's like, you know, how are we, how are we going to get rid of Felicio? Felicio, yeah. yeah. If if the Bulls find a way to trade Felicio, it'll be the biggest like rip off trade of all time. Like the Bulls will be getting the better end of the trade, no matter what. Even if, even if they traded, problem. even if they traded Levine, Kobe, Wendell, and Laurie, and Felicio, for like. For like the rights to Diebler, even though the Bulls have the rights to Diebler, yeah, they trade do. like that. I still would say that that team got no, the worst I, end because they have to absorb Felicio's I, contract. I can see, I could see a little the Bulls trade Cristiano Felicio to the Knicks for cash considerations and a player to be named later. I could see that. I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing. But before we get to Jeremy Wu, who dives deep into the draft, few little picks that I think we should both make. Um, number one, who's going to be the number one pick, in your opinion? Number two, who do the Bulls pick at number four? Number three, who's the most underrated sleeper guy, maybe second-round guy, in your opinion? And number four, call your bust. Call your bust. And, those are, and bust is a relative term. We don't like to use bust, but we'll call it a bust right now. You can go okay. first. <clears throat> I think Anthony Edwards goes number one. I think that's who the T-Wolves take. Apparently, you know, apparently Minnesota hasn't even talked to James Wiseman. Wiseman. Yep. So, I mean. They don't need – they don't want Wiseman. That would be – Right. I, I think Edwards goes one. I think LaMelo falls to the Bulls at four. If the Bulls make the pick, then they'll take LaMelo if he's there. So, but that's if they make the pick. Yep. You know, I, I don't want to say, like, I think the Bulls are going to trade it, but I would I would love a little shakeup. Would love if they trade it. Yeah, they should trade it. I agree. All right, I'm just looking at the list a little bit, try to find a bust and then a sleeper for you. Um, hmm. <clears throat> How about what if the Bulls traded down to, like, 10 and got Obi Toppin, and then we could wear the shirts that say, ain't no stopping Obi Toppin? That would be fun. That would be very cool. I mean, it's easy to just like take the cop out and say Cassius Winston is going to be going to be good for, you know, whatever team. But I actually think that there's a chance that he's not very good. 
Well, no. we talked to Jeremy Wu about it. Point guards are – there's an abundance of great point guards. Yeah. So it's tough. Like, I would say my sleeper would be Peyton Pritchard. The dude won four high school state championships, went to the final four with Oregon and won Pac-12 championships. It's like, is he not going to win in, in, um, in the NBA? Of course he is. But it's like, can he find a landing spot? So, I think – I think, and this is going to be like, you don't know anything about the NBA if you think a guy like this is going to be good. All right, Azabuki from Kansas is a beast. Like, I think he's a guy that could give you, you know, good minutes off the bench as a traditional center, gets rebounds, scores around the basket, and can just be like a guy that you rely on on defense. Like, I think that's the type of draft that this is. You know, there's very – not very star power, but if you could find a guy that can give you 12 minutes off the bench, 15 minutes off the bench, then, like, you'll be happy with that, especially in the second round. Who is Azabuki even like in the NBA? Like, who is his player count? I mean, that's a good point. I, I See, the way that I my basketball brain works is like – He's kind of like Whiteside. I would say that's a similar player count. Not he is like, like Whiteside. You're right. Like that, I agree. That, like, I agree. Like come in and literally you're in there because your, your defense rebound blocks and, and points around the basket. And, you know, a, a player comp is, is Drummond but not – as offensively skilled yeah. this is like still a traditional center and even like a Dwight Howard you know and and he was so valuable for the Lakers no I think Whiteside is money I think Whiteside's perfect he, Whiteside you know what he's giving you on defense he's awesome night in and night out and on and on offense he catches lobs and he can make some shots you know like yeah so I I think that's I as a bookie to me is like that's not how I picture a how I would want a team I guess uh, in my opinion but like there are, there's a place for those guys in the NBA still. Um, he had stretches where he was so dominant in college. Yeah, exactly. But he's also a man amongst boys. He won't be a man amongst boys in the NBA. But yeah, I also – last thing I'll say about Ozbuki because we spent way too much time talking about him. Similar to Caleb, like, if you're the Sixers, okay, and you just want someone – and Embiid's probably not the kind of guy that goes as hard as he can in practice every day, but – Similar to how we always say that, like, Brunson's the perfect guy to guard Luka every single day and make Luka better. Like, Azabuki is the good guy – is a good guy to match up with your fours and fives in practice and work hard and make them better. Yep. No doubt. Um, I'm going to go – so, I would have said Peyton Pritchard, but we've kind of mutually agreed to stay away from those old point guards. Instead, I'm going to go with a guy who left college early uh, as a freshman, freshman from Stanford. The reason why he's a sleeper – he might be a lottery pick. This guy, Tyrell Terry, uh, he might be a lottery pick. Um, and he's still going to be a sleeper to me because he played in the Pac-12, didn't, didn't win any awards, wasn't a McDonald's All-American. Like, no one knows who this dude is. But he can shoot the rock. He's really, really smart. And he's young. And I think that, like, he just he's just a guy that gets it. From everything that I'm reading and hearing about him, like, he just gets it. He is – always studying the game, learning the game, working his butt off. Like it's like less of a sleeper and more of like a steal. I think whoever gets him in that first round from like, you know, one to 20, whatever range he can go in. I think it's a, I think it's a really underrated steal as a guy who can play on and off the ball in the age of the NBA where guys are shooting more and more threes and he's a great, great shooter. Um, I think that would be uh, I think that's pretty interesting. So that's going to be my – a little more unconventional, but yet conventional at the same time. 
Um, that's uh, who I'm looking at. And then do you agree about Edwards and then LaMelo? Are we kind of all on the same page with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I, I guess I should say that. Um, I think that Edwards is going to go number one. If I'm – I don't <laughs> – I mean, I'm not picking in this draft. We joked about it with Jeremy Wu. You'll hear it in a sec. I'm not picking in this draft. Like, there's just no one that wows me. Um, but, yeah, I guess you're taking you're – I'm taking Anthony Edwards number one if I'm them. And then for the Bulls, I would – this is my heart talking. I would love LaMelo because it would give us a sense – it would be a fun, like, relevant, sexy pick for us. And at the same time, like – He's really six seven, has pro experience, and he's eighteen years old. Like, holy moly! Like, I, I think that that's just like, I think it's just it would just be awesome. So one last thing, um, <laughs> one yeah. last thing, I think Cole Anthony is going to be pretty damn good in the NBA. It might not happen next year, and it might be a situation like a, you know, um, I'm blanking on his name, the guy from Kansas that's on the Hornets, Devonte Graham. You know, it might be a situation like that where you just get volume shots on a bad team. But I think he's going to put up some numbers. I think he's going to be pretty good. All right, then should I say that's going to be my bust? Sure, I like that. I don't, I don't, I don't really think he's going to be a bust, but let's just create some buzz, and I'll just say that. Oh, under, another underrated guy? We talked about Villanova guys. Sadiq Bay. Think about the Villanova guys that have came out of the draft in the past years. Like, they've all contributed on winning teams. Jalen, Dante DiVincenzo, and the dudes on the Warriors. I just – I I think that he'll just be another guy Archie like that. Archie Diakono. Um, Archie Diakono. Exactly. I mean, even guys you wouldn't expect. Um, I'm looking at a mock draft from ESPN. They have Tyrell Terry going 29. So, he almost constitutes as a sleeper, not a steal. So, that's exciting. And as a bookie, it's 30. That's kind of funny. Um, really, I'm I'm but, looking on a different one that has him a little later. Uh, yeah, that's what I, that's what I got. It's interesting seeing like Obi Toppin and all these. This draft has Anthony Edwards and the Bulls. We don't need Anthony Edwards. Yeah, we we have enough score non-playmakers. Yeah, guy who's gonna get the ball. Get we need a guy that's gonna get the ball to Kobe White and get the ball to Zach Levine and not and love doing it like Halliburton or Lamelo. That's who I want. Halliburton or Lamelo. So. Halliburton or LaMelo, no matter what. All right. And we're going to go uh, We're gonna go. Jeremy Wu, finish up this NBA draft talk, and then we'll finish the episode with some Bill Landis athletic Ohio State versus Indiana talk. Big next few days. Uh, we are praying. We are praying that there's a Ohio State game this weekend. So let's get to Jeremy. Woo! All right, it's NBA Draft Week, and join us now on Drive the Lane is NBA Draft Insider, Jeremy Wu, who is beyond busy, so thank you for taking the time to come on the show with us. Of course, of course. Uh, now that Joey is, you know, in the middle of a hurricane or whatever, uh, you know, I'm just so glad to be here that he's safe. Glad we're all here, so let's do it. What Jeremy is alluding to is we've, we, re- we recorded, and what I thought we recorded like five minutes, but it turns out I was talking to nobody and the power went out and now there's a tornado in Columbus. And if you're listening, um, as a Columbus, as an Ohio State fan, um, living in Columbus, whatever, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but anyway, that's the last mention of this uh, torrential downpour 
tropical storm that's happening in the middle of the United States. Um, we can get on to the, to the NBA draft. Um, obviously, that's why you're here. And we've waited to make sure that we could have Jeremy Wu in his prime, in his, the best version of himself, to talk to us about this. So my first question, and this is an easy one, is this the worst draft ever? Man, like, so I'm always careful when I'm throwing labels on drafts because it's like, I feel like every year it's October and we're like, oh, this is a bad draft. And then it's suddenly a good draft. And then, you know, we go back and forth on it. Uh, but this is not a good draft. Like, I'll say that. Like, in the sense that you know, these guys might be good. Like, hopefully we're all proven wrong. But uh, it's just like, it's so hard to look at any of the top, you know, six or seven guys and be like, that guy is for sure going to be someone who I can build my franchise around. Now, that's, again, that's not to say it won't work out. Like, I do like some of these guys. Um, but I think, you know, it's led to uh, one of the more, you know, coupled with, you know, the pandemic, there's less information out there. There's less in-person contact. Uh, you know, everything's taken forever. Um, it's just led to such a strange uh, – I don't think we'll ever have another draft cycle like this, you know. Hopefully – Geez, hopefully, you're right, but yeah. in the future, you know, this is not going to be the norm. Which, uh, which prospect do you think has benefited the most from the way things are going right now? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if I have a great answer for that. I, I mean, I, I think, like, for the top guys, I would say it's probably helped the top guys more. Um, if you look at, you know, the top, you know, three or four players – uh, you know, LaMelo, Edwards, Wiseman, like those types of guys where it's like their stock, they didn't really have to do anything to keep their stock high. You know, the only thing they can really do is hurt it if they do something dumb or um, whatever. And and so I think in that sense, like guys like that were probably protected to some extent uh, by some of these limitations um, where, you know, no, people didn't see them as much. Uh, and it was much easier probably to control, uh, you know, what was being said about them. Uh, so that's what I'd say as far as that. I mean, if, if you want to talk guys who are, you know, have benefited in terms of, um, you know, they've played the draft process well. I mean, there are a handful of guys later, later in the draft who I think have done a good job marketing themselves and, um, and whatnot and, and, and sort of have raised their stock, uh, you know, between the different available activities. But, um, man, it's just, it's just – it's still tough to get a grasp on exactly what's going to happen. So I wanted – try our best to kind of give a full, you know, preview and not just focus on the top guys, not just focus on the sleepers and not just focus on Caleb Wesson. Cause that's who everyone cares about. obviously. <laughs> but I am curious when you're looking at depth of a draft, obviously like everyone knows what depth means. If there are great players in the second round and great players in the first round, then the draft has a lot of depth, but what in your opinion constitutes a really good draft? Is it, a lot of star, star power at the top or just great depth where you're getting great guys with the 55th pick? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think from my perspective, I think when you talk about what is a great draft, I think generally that conversation d does deal more with the lottery where it's, you know, how comfortable are we, you know, are you as comfortable picking five as you are at 12? Uh, and is that a good thing or a bad thing? Um, you know, this year it's one of those drafts where it's more of a bad thing because the talent, the talent is not as stratified where, um, you know, it's, I mean, you know, whoever goes 11, 12, 13, 14 can be, you know, return potentially top five value. Like it's one of those years, but, you know, generally I think teams are always hoping for, you know, to feel comfortable picking high where the stakes are high. 
Uh, if you look at next year's draft, the draft after that, I think those are drafts where the lottery is shaping up to be better than this year in terms of guys who I feel like are safe, uh, you know, going to have good chances to be building blocks. So I think generally when we have that conversation, that's what we mean. Uh, and I do think as far as depth goes, my, my, from my perspective, you know, having done this for you know four or five, I don't remember, whatever, you know, however long now I've done this, it's like guys pop up every year. You know, when you, when I'm doing my first big board, looking ahead at the next draft, you know, I always kind of have a sense of who the top 15 guys are, but after that, it always changes and guys always pop up, uh, of course, the college season, uh, and are able to, you know, really increase their standing as prospects. So, you know, the middle, the middle part and the depth part, I think always kind of takes care of itself each year. Uh, and you can always talk yourself into those types of guys because there's like, you know, baseline level of talent where it's like, this is you know, around an average or slightly above average guy with great intangibles or whatever, right? Like those guys pop up all the time uh, but in terms of elite talent, right? Yeah, are there any college freshmen that if they said, I'm not going to college, I'm declaring for the draft, that was allowed? Any college freshman, you'd take number one in this draft. Yeah, there are actually – so this year there are a few guys who I think would legitimately, um, you know, be in that conversation, if not for sure, the guy like Cade Cunningham at Oklahoma State. I think everyone kind of agrees, you know, he will probably be number one next year. He would probably be number one this year. Um you know, Jalen Green is someone who people have put in that conversation. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga, who's also in the G League program uh, with, with Jalen, you know, he's he's come up as a guy who could end up, uh, you know, being number one or could be number one in this year's draft. Uh, I really like Greg Brown at Texas. I don't know if he ends up being that quite that high, but he's a guy who I really like, and I think people are kind of sleeping on coming into this college season. Um, but I mean, really, if you if you just go down that whole ladder group, I mean, like Evan Mobley, Scott. Barnes, you know, BJ Boston, these are really good players. Um, and, you know, I spent a lot of time on the road. I was able to see them. I'm pretty familiar with, with this group now for next year. And I'm, I mean, I'm excited and I'm not usually one to get too excited about, you know, I, so, uh, so I'm hopeful that a, a, we have a college season that, you know, is, is going to be sustainable and B, uh, you know, that next year's draft, I think should be much more interesting. Greg Brown is an all time mixtape guy. His will go down in, history his highlights look like he is a superhuman so um i'm interested to see what he does this year obviously it'll be a different conversation once these dudes are actually playing you know high high level competition because i think a lot of it's unfortunate but you can tell that these guys are talented in high school but sometimes they don't play guys necessarily um you know at their level or close to it um so it is interesting to kind of project even like a year out where they'll go in you know the nba draft but this brings me to my next question of um, a topic that we've discussed on our podcast before is the idea of, you know, potential versus hardcore facts and statistics that you've seen, which as you know, is the dudes who score eight points a game, but are six, seven with seven foot wingspans and are 18 years old and versus guys like Cassius Winston who have proven to be winners and, and winners and winners 10 times over. How, what are your thoughts about, you know, that conversation, that argument of, you know, these guys are – every single year it's the same case. These guys fall to the end of the draft because they're 22 years old. Yeah, you can look at that a couple different ways. Um, there's definitely a prototype. You know, you mentioned Cassius. That's a good example. Uh, there's definitely a prototype where it's like, you know, a guard, like older guards who – aren't super like exciting in terms of, you know, measurables or whatever, 
but are like proven to be really good players. Like I think Peyton Pritchard is another good example of this year. Uh, guys who you can see having good careers and guys who have kind of always like outkicked the expectations and, and won a lot. Um, and I think teams are aware of that. Um, but, you know, again, it's like, I think if you think about how the NBA draft works in terms of how the picks are distributed, you know, if you're in the lottery, most of the time you're bad. Uh, and if, you know, you need a guy who's going to take you from bad to good, there's usually some risk involved. Um, so that's why a good example this year is, you know, Patrick Williams, who is now seems like he's going to be a top 10 pick, um, you know, could be five, six, seven, uh, which, you know, I, I've always thought he was going to be a lottery guy, you know, dating back, you know, till the spring, but, you know, would I be surprised if he goes that high? Still kind of, yeah. Like, I don't know if I would, you know, it, it's just, it, it's always interesting, but if you think about, again, who these teams are, uh, you know, potential is very relative. Um, and each team's circumstances kind of dictates, you know, how much risk they can take on. I just, I just think it's really interesting because I see myself as a guy who I would rather have, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a higher floor, but a lower ceiling. Right. Um, I, I see myself as someone like that, but then you look at guys like Jimmer, Frank Kaminsky, Cam Johnson, guys who went in the lottery as older dudes and, it's almost like you're being proven wrong, but I don't know. I just, it's so hard because, and I know we want to ask you about like who are going to be these steals at the end of the draft. And I can't help but think the number one guys or the, the, the few top guys are older guys, right? It, at least, or, do you agree with that? In terms of like late draft steals? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Like we already talked about Cassius, but even Peyton Pritchard, I mean, they're, they're old guys who are old guys. I mean, relatively speaking, that I think can come in and contribute to high, high-level teams right away, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's – typically that is the case. And, you know, part of why you see those guys fall, too, is, like, it's just, like, the demand. I think one thing to keep in mind, too, oftentimes we're talking about point guards um, or, yeah. like, older bigs, and it's, like, the demand at those positions is always not always – you know, if there are only 30 teams. Uh, you know, if you're a really good backup point guard, or it was a really good point guard, you know, you can stick around for a long time. I mean, like Derek Rose, Jeff Teague, DJ Augustine, and these are guys who, you know, are in their thirties now, but are going to be backups for, they're going to have those jobs for a few more years. Like they're not, they're not done. Right. Like if you're a really smart point guard uh, or just, you know, have something there, uh, you know, those guys can hang around. So that's why the bar, the, the, bar, the barrier to entry is always a little bit higher for, you know, yeah. those guys like Cassius. And, you know, again, the hope is you end up like Fred Van Vliet or you go to a great situation with a team that believes in you, you know, oftentimes it doesn't really matter where you get picked. It's just more about how much does this team believe in me? Uh, how much opportunity am I going to get? Um, and again, it's like oftentimes these guys who do have very specific skill sets end up in good situations. So I'm curious who you think, you know, the most overrated player in, is in this draft. And but what I really mean by that is who are you personally not very high on whose name you've heard is maybe shooting up the draft boards around the GMs and stuff like that. But you personally think, no, I think that guy's going to end up going way too high. Um, I mean, for me, one name, and I don't know if he's necessarily overrated, but just like a guy who I have a hard time rationalizing being like a top five guy is Anyeka Kongwu. Uh, not to say that he's a bad player, uh, but just in terms of, you know, you watch him play, and I just, I worry about the offense with him. Um, and, you know, granted, the defense, I believe, I totally buy. He's going to be a solid defender. There's a lot of value having a guy like that, especially in the playoffs, who, who's going to give you defensive presence and you can still, you know, be a versatile defensive team. 
uh, and be small and fast. But, uh, you know, I just knowing, again, knowing how many centers are out there um, and just watching him, you know, I, I went to see him a couple of times. I was in LA. Um, you know, I, I just worry about the offense and I, I just, I sometimes worry if we are too quick to like, just assume guys are going to get better in certain areas. Um, but again, that's an argument you can make it either way. So I, I don't want to act like it's the end all be all, uh, but he's one guy who I'm like, have a little bit of a hard time with as, as a top five guy. Um, Danny Avdia is a guy who I think is fine, but for me, wouldn't be a top five guy. If I had the pick, I just, I think he is a guy also where we're kind of projecting where it's like, you know, everyone says he's going to be this versatile playmaker who can play off the dribble, but it's just the question is how far is he from doing those things? And then how much is like the athleticism become an impediment? Like he needs to become a better ball handler for sure. Um, not, not to say he won't be good. He definitely has an easy pathway to being good as long as he makes those improvements. But uh, I, just, I think he might be a little bit further off. Yeah, that's a good kind of transition to, you know, an important question from Joey and I. We're, we're Bulls fans. You know, we're excited about the direction that the team is going, new front office, new coach, all that. Let's say the draft goes in no order. You know, LaMelo, Wiseman, Edwards. Who do you think the Bulls are taking there at four? Um, so I think I think if – well, I think there's a real chance LaMelo is there for them. Um, yeah, that's what like, I – that's the dream. Like, that's, that's – I, I, think, I think there's a chance. Like – I think he could go one, um, but I, I, you know, I've heard a lot of Edwards. A lot of people around the league think Edwards. Uh, Minnesota's done a good job. It's not still not a hundred percent clear what they're going to do, but um, but if if you say those three guys are gone, let's say Charlotte, even Charlotte takes ball or whatever. Um, I mean, Avdia I think is a guy who's come up a lot for them. Um, Halliburton is a guy who personally I really like and who I think would make sense. Um, and then he, Killian Hayes has come up as a sleeper for that spot. And Patrick Williams has also come up as a sleeper for that spot. So those those are the names that I would look at. Um, I'm not sure what exactly what they do, but if it were me and those three guys were, I mean, I would go Halliburton. I just think he's a guy who I really believe in, uh, and I think if we're talking about guys who have floor and also maybe a little bit of an underrated ceiling, I think he's one of them. Uh, just because I think you know, obviously he has things to improve on, uh, but he's a guy. His trajectory is so impressive. He he has gotten noticeably better every year. Uh, you know, we know that he works. Uh, I think he'll get stronger. I think the finishing will improve a little bit. And, you know, he played a lot last year. His wrist was really messed up, so he couldn't really use his left hand. So we have to keep that in mind, too. When we're watching the tape, he's going into the paint. Maybe he shoots a floater, doesn't go all the way to the rim. Well, he, it was hard to finish with his, his wrist. So you keep that in mind, too. When we, One of the things that is my pet peeve about sometimes the draft is just how many highlights are always on Twitter. And it's like, look, here's something that one guy did one time. But, like, you guys know. It's like you watch enough basketball. It's like no one has ever – one play has never made or, you know, broken – any player like you got to when I, when I watch back, I try as much as I can to watch whole games. Cause you got to look at the whole picture. I, I, I agree with the, with the Halliburton just because I had a front row seat to watch him play. And he's just, I mean, I think the bulls, you know, if we're looking at the bulls, they got Levine, they got Kobe white. Like they need someone to get those guys the ball. Right. And that is exactly what LaMelo or Halliburton. That's what their bread and butter is. So I agree. But one guy who was playing, in the game that I had a front row seat and was unstoppable, a guy that you know very well, Caleb Wesson. And uh -huh. most of the people most of the people listening right now care more about Caleb Wesson than they do what the Bulls are going to do in the draft. So any, what are your thoughts on him? You can be biased or unbiased, whatever you want. Um, and where do you see him as a good fit? Have you heard any rumblings from, from NBA GMs or front offices? 
give us give us all the scoop on Caleb. Yeah, I, I'm optimistic about Caleb. Like I've watched enough to know over the years to what he can do, and I, I appreciate you know, he's gotten in really good shape. You know, he's never going to be an amazing athlete, but again, it's oftentimes if you're skilled enough, it doesn't quite matter as much. Like one thing I like about him is that he, because he's such a good passer and because he's a good shooter, um, you know, he he's really a five, but he can you know he can float to the corner. You can kind of use him in a few different ways on offense. Um, and, and knowing that he can pass one of my pet peeves, especially with bigs, I hate bigs who are like dead ends where you just can't see them making the extra pass wow. or yeah, you exactly. And you see it at every level of basketball and you can see the guy who he catches it and he's within t- like five feet of the rim, but you can just see him get a little tight and he's just like, Oh, what do I do? Like and he figures out how to throw up like a left-handed hook or something that, you know, is a brick, but, um, you know, those types of guys always, when I'm projecting forward, like you got to have the composure to make the extra play and know where guys are and have that wherewithal. And I like that about Caleb. Um, as far as the draft goes, I think he should get drafted. Uh, I mean, I, I think, you know, knowing that teams are going to be drafting, looking for guys on two way contracts, uh, you know, if he's open to taking that, which I assume at this point, you know, makes sense um, too. Um, you know, I could see him getting picked in the back part of the, uh, you know, middle, middle late second round. And again, Caleb's a guy too. Uh, it's really going to be, you know, a good situation is more important than, you know, where he gets picked, if he gets picked. Um, but if he goes to a team that, you know, values bigs uh, and, you know, is going to be able to get the best out of him and his whole skill set, you know, I think I think he's a chance to stick. And I think he's someone who is being a little underrated, especially if you look at the rest of the Big Ten. Like, I'm not a big Daniel Aturu guy. Uh, I love Tillman. Um, but, you know, again, it's like these guys are playing good bigs every single, every single night. So I think it's a good – I think, you know, he has a pretty good body of work to look at. I agree. Jeremy, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you with this, and we appreciate you coming on. It's the busiest week probably for you for the whole year, and you're taking time to come on our silly show, so we appreciate it. But of course. last thing I will say, keep your eyes open in Columbia, Missouri next year, because if Jeremiah Tillman can stay out of foul trouble and stay on the court, <laughs> that's a potential. 80 to 90 range pick next year. Third round. They're going to add a third round in the NBA draft for Tillman next year. I remember when he was like a highly touted high school guy. Uh, I remember that. (laughs) Um, As my power goes out again, I will, I have two last questions for you. Okay. Actually let you go. Number one, if the pick, if the first pick is not Anthony Bennett or Anthony Bennett, (laughs) Anthony Edwards, whoops. That's honestly, Kind of funny I said that, but but not but not really. Let's hope the, that's not. <laughs> if the if the number one pick is not Anthony Edwards, who is it? Um, okay, if, if it's not Edwards, I mean I think it'll be Ball. My guess is Wiseman goes to. Uh, I can't see Minnesota taking Wiseman. I could see them, you know, pivoting and taking Ball. Um, you know, maybe he's been their guy. It's, but but um. I mean, it could be Wiseman if a team were to, like, trade up. Maybe Charlotte comes up to one, but I don't – as of right now, I don't think – it's not really their style to do that anyway. So, if it's not Edwards, it'll be Ball is my guess. But I, I – my gut is Edwards. A lot of – a lot of – today is Sunday. The draft's in three days. Uh, everything I know right now seems to point towards Edwards. I, and this is – sorry, you just made me think of another question. Is it possible that every team just keeps trading down until they go, you know what, we're just not going to have a draft this year? <laughs> uh, I mean, like, I'm sure there are teams that would like to do that. But, again, the reality is, like, the other thing is it's worth noting. Like, I don't think too many people are keen on coming up. Uh, and, like, the point I've made, too, it's, like, coming into the draft lottery a couple months ago, you know, the vibe I got was, like, a lot of people weren't 
that excited or didn't care if they won the lottery. It was just like, yeah, you know, whatever. We don't really want that problem because it's just a big, you know, it's a more money and B it's a pressure decision. Uh, so it's like in a lottery, no one wanted to win. You know, why would you necessarily want to trade up? But again, this happens every year. People get fixated on certain guys and it happens. Um, but I'm curious to see my guess is like after the top, you know, I could see like four or five, six being swing spots where there's trades. And then after that, probably it's a little bit more stable. And then in the teens, you see more, more trades again. Joey, but Joey and I, we've asked this question to a lot of people. We talk about this all the time. If you were a team, would you rather right now have the number one pick or Tyler Harrow? Uh, I'd rather have the number one pick. Um, I think that was a qu- that's the quickest answer we've ever had. Yeah, I mean, I like Tyler Hero, but again, it's like I think we got to treat the bubble as you know an isolated situation where, like, for me to trade for him, I'd, I'd need to see him play a whole season. Um, you know, it's really easy to get hot in the bubble. You know, you're at home. You don't have the Miami nightlife to distract you. This is not a shot at Tyler, uh, but you know, just you know, it's a, it's much easier. You know, being able to take care of yourself, play basketball, go to sleep every day, and you know, I think that's one thing with the bubble guys didn't have that fatigue. Um, so I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, what looks the same and what looks different, uh, from that. I'll say that. Okay. Last, last question. Sorry. Literally, that's a little trick. I don't know. We learned it from part of my take. If you keep saying last question, you just keep asking <laughs> questions. No one knows. But the actual last question that I have are, do you have your eyes on anyone on the current Ohio state team? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think right now there's not like a clear cut, guy who's like for sure gonna be draftable and i'm googling the roster as i do this to make sure i don't miss anyone Wayne Washington. Uh, but I, yeah i like Wayne washington i think i think he showed some good stuff last year uh, he can really shoot uh, I, I think he's got a chance to be kind of an interesting sleeper he could have a big year um i think ej liddell you know the tools are always going to be interesting i don't know if that clicks for him this year but he's a guy who i think long term uh, you know, teams are going to be interested in because of his body uh, and, you know, his defensive versatility. And it's just a matter of how, you know, how quickly or when, you know, the offense comes together for him. Uh, but, you know, knowing he played at a little high school uh, and, you know, I think he's a guy who we could see take a leap sort of later on. Uh, so th- those are two guys that I'm interested in just from a scouting perspective and who I will be watching for this year. Perfect. Well, we appreciate your time. We will be – everybody follow Jeremy uh, on Twitter. We'll be retweeting him. Uh, all week leading up to the draft. So make sure to get your news from him as he's never been incorrect and his opinion is fact. <laughs> um, again, we appreciate you coming on. This was yeah, a blast. One more thing. I just thought of one more thing, Joe, that has to happen. <laughs> Jeremy, if you get a scoop, if you get a scoop on Wesson, will you tweet something like hearing that blah, 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 will select Caleb Wesson. My friends at drive the lane pod are very happy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Yeah, I, uh, I stay out of the first round for the most part, but sometimes I try to get the second rounders because it's just – I find it amusing sometimes. Perfect. I, I've broken a few second round, second round picks. We just are addicted to scoops right now. It's like a phase we're in. We're yeah, just we'll get, like, get ready. It's going to be a fun week of scoops. Yeah. Love no, it. We're excited. So, All right. Again, you're the man. Appreciate it, and we will uh, we'll talk to you soon in a, in a year. We'll talk to you in a year. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Take, <laughs> take care, guys. Yeah. And now join us on Drive the Lane, making his return. If you remember, Bill Landis of The Athletic told us before the year, watch out for Indiana because they're the sleeper team. 
they could be going to the uh, they could be going to the playoff if they beat Ohio State. Well, now, Bill, what do you think? Are they going to beat them this weekend? I don't know if I said they were going to go to the playoff. I think I, I, think I said uh, they could be good, um, and they are good. It's kind of weird. Like, I was right, but I wasn't really right for the right reasons. The reason Indiana's in this place is because the Big Ten stinks, um, and I didn't really envision that. Um, but Indiana is good, and no, they're not going to beat Ohio State this week. So if you had to label a percentage, because this was kind of what we, we briefly discussed this before we – before we brought you in here, um, if you were to, to put a percentage on Indiana being talented and well-coached and a good football team versus uh, the Big Ten stinking, like you said before, what percentage of their success is, is owed to each? Um, I'd say maybe like 60-40 in favor of the coaching and the talent because um, they are good. Uh, they have really good skill on offense. The receivers, I think, are legit. They're both – Watt Fillier and, and Ty Freifogel, I think, are both NFL receivers. Um, and their tight end, Peyton Hendershot, I think it might be an NFL guy too. I don't think Michael Penix is, but he's a good college quarterback. He's got a really strong arm. So they have dudes. Their defense has kind of always been good since Tom Allen was there. So I, I think, you know, I, I'd say at least 60, maybe a little more than 60%, but they did benefit from one, like you said, the Big Ten not being good. And also I think they've been a little bit lucky um, this year. They've gotten some really good field position off of turnovers that happened because they played bad quarterbacks who kept throwing them the ball for no reason. So um, I think that evens out a little bit, which is why I don't think they have much of a chance to beat Ohio State. But that doesn't mean that it's still not a special year for Indiana. But, like The fact that we're even having this discussion, I think, shows that it's a special year for Indiana. I want you to put your uh, Skip Bayless hat on for a second, okay? Oh, man. And I want you to tell us why Indiana is going to beat Ohio State. Make the case for Indiana. We're not going to clip it and say, oh, old eggs exposed, <laughs> Bill Landis said. I want – if you were trying to make the case, what would you say? That Ohio State's secondary is is not nearly as good as we thought it would be this year. And, and they've had some struggles. Um and that includes Sean Wade, who, who I still think has a chance to be a first-round draft pick. But if those guys – if what we've seen so far is not just like early season hookups but more an indication of what they actually are, which is just kind of okay, then I think the receivers that I mentioned can give them some problems and Michael Penix will just like bomb the ball over their head and Indiana will score. But even if that happens, I still think an Indiana win would need Justin Fields to turn the ball over. And like he doesn't do that. So, like, he has three interceptions and 500 passing attempts or something like that. So, I just don't see that other part of the equation happening for Indiana to pull off the upset. So, let's, down, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. We know Ohio State's going to win, but by how much? What do you, what's your score prediction? I want it to be bold and just say, like, hammer the 21 or whatever. It is. I think it opened to 21. I might have come down yeah. by that now. Um and say that, like, Ohio State was going to win by 40. But then Tom Allen cried during his press conference on Monday, and it made me nervous. Um, so I still think Ohio State wins and covers. But instead of saying they win by 40, I'll say, say they win by four touchdowns. Um, we'll call it uh, – let me do math in my head real quick. 48 to 21, is that right? Is that four touchdowns? That's – Close. <laughs> Is it three touchdowns? Well, well, let, let me ask you this. I'm gonna I'm gonna be annoying here for a second. Why are they gonna Why are they gonna win in a more dominant fashion than they did against you know Rutgers and Penn State? Uh, 
Because a, a couple of things. One, I, I think the week off, while it was annoying um, for them, for sure, and for Ohio State fans, I think is going to help them because they had some stuff to get figured out. And it wasn't a real bye week because they thought they were playing a game. But they did get a little time to work on themselves, and I, I think that will help them. And I also think, too, and, and maybe this doesn't matter, but it's, it goes into my thinking, the fact that they did have a game canceled, I think really hammered home just how fragile this season is and sort of how quickly it might be taken away from them. And I don't think they want to waste any opportunity. And I'm sure they came into the season thinking that, but once it happens to you and you lose a game, I think it really hits home. So I think that this is a team that's super talented that had not hit its best gear nearly in, in the first three games and is going to starting this week. Sounds about right. I think I agree with you in the sense of having that, you know, whatever whatever you consider it. I consider myself to be a former college athlete. Having that background of that's exactly how I would look at it in sense of, okay, like this is really real where it can be taken from us at any moment um, is totally legit. And Ryan Day said in the press conference where he said, you know, like it's unfortunate that we – get screwed basically for doing everything right. And, and it's just exactly what you're saying. It hammers, hammers that home. One thing that me and Andrew debated um, earlier, and, and we want your opinion on it, in the sense of the Big Ten, in the sense of Ohio State, in the sense of Indiana, however you want to look at it, what is the benefit of Ohio State winning a close game versus winning in a blowout in this game? Um. I think if you win in a close game, you learn a little more about yourself. And and that is, I think, a fair concern this year. Because if you look ahead, it's like Illinois is not going to test you. Michigan State's not going to test you. And it, it looks right, like, like right now that Michigan's not going to test you. So you're probably not going to see anything like this again until the, the Big Ten Championship at the earliest. And even then, it depends on who you meet there. So if you do end up playing a tight game with Indiana, um, I guess it'll make people nervous. And, and I get that. But that means I think that Indiana is more legitimate than I'm saying they are right now. And, and if that's the case, and they are a top 10, top 15 kind of team, um, I think it is to your benefit to learn things, that whatever those things are that make that game close, I think it's beneficial to learn that moving forward for when you get down the road and you're playing Wisconsin or, or whoever might be in the playoff. Before we, uh, before we let you go, I want to talk overall Big Ten just briefly. First mm -hmm. thing I want to bring up, you know, the rumors going around Twitter are that Northwestern could potentially fake a COVID scare so that Wisconsin has to miss another game, not play Northwestern, and then not be eligible for the Big Ten Championship. Is there any validity to that? <laughs> no, uh, no. Uh, it's coming I, from Sir Yacht, I bet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people, people who own boats should stop tweeting. Um, no, <laughs> like – I understand. Like it came up with the Maryland stuff too, and it's just like I think like it's hard. This is hard. <laughs> like the teams are going to have to not play and not practice because of this, and you manage it as best you can. And I agree that it's a little weird that teams kind of get to make the decisions for themselves, even if they don't meet the Big Ten thresholds. I certainly get being frustrated by that, but I don't think anyone's going out there trying to duck people with these rules. And I, I surely don't think that Pat Fitzgerald of all people would, would do no something chance. like that. Um, so, no, I, no no validity to that whatsoever. Last question before we let you go. Your updated Big Ten championship and winner. I mean, the winner doesn't really – that doesn't matter, but updated Big Ten championship prediction. Yeah, it's Ohio State against Wisconsin. As long as Wisconsin doesn't miss 
it's another game because if they do, then they're in trouble. But but I'm going to assume that Wisconsin gets to play the rest of its games. Um, I think Graham Mertz is, is an NFL quarterback. He's young still, so he's a few years to get there. But Wisconsin with a quarterback is something different than we've seen in the past few years. Um, and they're kind of the same otherwise. But I just don't think – like Northwestern's having a nice year, but I don't, I don't think they're going to beat Wisconsin this week, and I don't think anyone's going to beat Ohio State. So those two teams will meet in Indy again in the Big Ten championship I feel like we've seen 35 times already. I thought of one more. <laughs> Hit me. Is James Franklin going to predict a winner again? He tweeted Iowa, 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 and he's 4-0 this is year. That the most, wait, wait, before you – is that the <laughs> most ridiculous thing in the entire world? Like, I stop. Like, you got to stop. You got to stop. stop. He has to stop. I don't like He's giving us winners. He's giving us – he's <laughs> he, giving us picks. I what haven't it comes thought out of, that of it that way. fixing games. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that would – I mean, that would, that would at least make it make more sense, I suppose. Um, <laughs> But but the replies to these tweets over the last three weeks have been have been not good. He, needs, he, to, he needs to stop doing that. Oh, he's it's a it's a shtick. I don't know. I don't I don't really know who it's for. Like it's unless for he no just one. yeah, oh. it's for nobody, I guess. Other than to have trolls just yell at him on Twitter, which is like maybe he enjoys that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, when he tweets Iowa, 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 it's because Iowa's going to beat them this week. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Bill Landis of The Athletic, thank you. We, you know we're going to have you on again soon. Something funny will happen, something noteworthy will happen, and we'll have to bring you back on. Maybe it'll be a uh, college football pregame show, college football playoff pregame episode. That would be, that'd be fun. I hope, I hope we all get to that point, and I would be happy to come back on the podcast with you guys. All right. We appreciate Absolutely. it. Thanks, man. Cool. Thanks, guys. Double dose of interviews. Always good. Always a great time. We like to say, uh, how about those awesome interviews? You know, all the interviews are awesome. We're excited about this NBA draft. Depending on when you're listening to it, it's either tonight, tomorrow night. Regardless, we're going to be tuned in on Twitter. Joe, what, what, what should the fans and the listeners be doing about the draft? Well, I'll be on Twitter criticizing everybody's picks. And we want you guys to do the same in the sense that we want you to tweet at us before a pick if you think Caleb's going to be drafted. If you go, you know what, Joey? I have this weird inkling that he's going to go 51st overall to – I think that's the uh, I think that's the Warriors. Let us know. Let us know where you think Caleb's going to be going. And we'll tell you if we're right or wrong because, of course, we are insiders by trade and we know the answer. So, um just let us know. Just keep in touch with us. We love hearing from you guys, especially during the draft when, when a lot of people are watching something at the same time. Um, when the Bulls draft, whether you're a Bulls fan or not, tell us you hate the pick because I'm sure we will too. So, even, no, 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 no. This is a new regime. We're excited about the draft. They're going to get it right. And, uh, um, yeah, go Buckeyes. And go Caleb. And go Bulls. And go Mavs. Hopefully the Mavs get Caleb. That would be pretty fun. What if the Lakers get Caleb? I don't even know if they have a single pick, but it'd be cool if they got Caleb. The Lakers don't have a single pick. Oh, yeah, they do. They, they pick 28th. You know what's funny? When teams don't have a single pick. Um, they're either really good or have really bad GMs. And the, Well, no. Well, they're just locked into the draft. They're like, where can, you know, where can we trade up or who can we trade for? It's like, bro, you don't have a pick. Like, just relax for one night, mm-hmm. you know? Um, All right, buckle right. up. Yeah, the Bears the are playing. The Bears are playing. We're, we're done here. Go Buckeyes. Buckle up, drive lane, go Buckeyes. Yeah, go Bears, bear down. Same, go Buckeyes one more time. Go Buckeyes one more time.